0: welcome
1: to courtside moms i'm your host wendy sparks today my guest is alberta gillespie mother of freddie gillespie of the toronto raptors we have so much to talk about so let's bring alberta to the show Thank you, Alberta, for coming on the show. I am so blessed to have you here today with me to talk about your son, Freddie Gillespie.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and a little nervous, but I'm excited to be having this conversation with you.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I feel blessed. Don't feel nervous. Don't worry. It's just the two of us moms talking about our boys, right? So <laughs> basketball was not Freddie's first sport. He actually played football up until the eighth grade. So what made him decide to switch sports and get into basketball?
0: Yeah, he did. So, I mean, his dad, uh, my husband is like big on bat—I mean, football. And so from the age of five, when he could play like little flag football or whatever it was, he played football up until his junior year in high school. And um, then his love switched to basketball. Somewhere in between, he started playing basketball, and he, so, it, so it wasn't his first sport. Um, and he ran track one year, so he just is that athletic kind of person. But I primarily wanted him in sports. We did because it's good for them, but also because he had all this energy, and yes. so he was always running around my house. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> he needs another outlet. So yeah,
1: it's more like that. Don't run indoors. Let's run outdoors. Right. Yes. Well, we live in Minnesota. A basketball court. Right, until yeah. we found a basketball court,
0: right? <laughs> until we found a basketball court. Well, yeah. how it came about basketball was, you know, I had told him because he liked to run and jump. We have like, um, in our great room, we have 13 foot ceilings, right? So Frederick would always run through the kitchen to the great room, trying to touch the ceilings. I'm like, kid, that's not going to happen. It's just never. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, you love running and jumping. Why don't you play basketball? So I had actually encouraged him to play basketball because he, he did have all this energy. Wasn't interested when mom made the recommendation. It was the end of his um, uh, like an eighth grade football game or something. this season, a coach, a person he never had met. We literally were walking off the field. He came to watch these other kids play. He saw Frederick turn to him and said, hey, you should come play basketball for me. And he said, OK. And so, and the coach's name is David Battle, whom we just adore now. But I thought perhaps I just wasn't saying it right all of these years. I just wasn't asking the right way. And so that's <laughs> how we got into basketball. He was just like, "Okay, that sounds good." Wow. And he started playing basketball and had a journey where, you know, his ninth grade years when he really he decided he would go and try out for the team because a friend wanted to try out. He said, "Fine," and I didn't know he was going to be trying out for basketball. And his dad didn't know, but he went with his friend, tried out and didn't take basketball shoes with him. So he actually uh, broke his ankle or cracked his ankle uh, when trying out. So he of course didn't play his ninth grade year and then ended up playing basketball his 10th grade year and fell in love with it. He was playing basketball and football. And then after 10th grade decided I'm done with football. I'm just gonna play basketball. And then at the, and we had never done like here in the States, AAU is a really big thing. for basketball so we had never done that um so at the end of his 11th grade year he decided okay we're gonna do this aau thing um Mm -hmm. and it was in one of his last games of the season in high school he actually tore his acl so yeah it, it was crazy so he began his senior year with um healing from a torn acl injury and uh got a little late start start senior year but ultimately did get to play and you know, never had thought about playing. He had never thought about playing at the collegiate level, right? And and so, but he, the more he played basketball, the more he fell in love with it. And I always thought it was the right sport for him, simply because yeah. it just it just fit. And I played a little bit in high school. We don't even speak of it because, you know, I was not a basketball <laughs> star by any means. <laughs> so, uh, but so he he didn't. We never. This was not the trajectory for him. Because he was a great student academically, he loved debate. He was in the debate club, so speaking debate, it was like blood. No, but for Fred, he's competitive, so it was like blood sport for him, right? Yeah, like he he went into debate like just you know like I'm ready, I'm going you know solo and whatever. And so he approached the debate with like all this energy because he loves to debate. (laughs) So. and everything. Asked his dad and I, was like, okay, it's not up for debate, friend. So, um, but, so went into, you know, he had debate, he played, he did that, and we just thought he'd go off to a school, he, that was a good academic school. He'd play basketball at that, which was a D3 school, and then, um, as, as he said, he thought he'd get basketball out of his system. He's like, I'll just go play at this D3 school. It's a great academic school, and then maybe get it out of my system, and that never happened, and I knew that that was never <laughs> going to happen. Because I could see him falling in love with this sport. Right. And so he just felt deeper and deeper in love. And we made this transition to, from D3 <laughs> to D1, which was yes. quite a week.
1: Right. So just to go back a bit, um, mm-hmm. because he missed the AAU circuit um, and then went to high school, then at that point, he wasn't getting any Division one or two offers, hence Carleton College coming mm-hmm. in. Eventually, though, through his determination, how did he get noticed and end up at Baylor in Division
0: One? So I am a Minnesota amateur sports commissioner and had been for a little <laughs> bit. And so I sit on the board with people from various you know, backgrounds in sport. And one of them happened to be a person by the name of Al Nunes, who is a legacy here uh, in Minnesota and beyond in basketball. And so I just like, I got this kid and I'm like, I'm a pretty good judge of talent, but you know, as a mom, you think, yeah, I may think my baby's so special and he's just (laughs) the greatest. (laughs) So, and so I, I didn't want that to be, you know, my, my, my thoughts of him being colored by me being his mother. So I asked Al to take a look at him and have a conversation. And so Al, I I had sent him some footage of Freddie in D3. It was just a clip of where. I think in the first like few minutes, he's, he's dunked on a few people. He's, you know, blocked like three or four balls and, and the whole deal. And I sent him this clip and he's like, well, yeah, I'll meet with him. So he down and had a conversation. He's like, nope, he's got it. He's like, and it was just amazing. He was able to assess. So he had a son at the time that was coaching at Baylor University. Oh. And so sent him this clip and he was like, and talked to coach Scott Drew, who's the head coach. coach. He was like, Scott, you got to see this guy. So when Scott came to town to recruit Tyus Jones at the time, who's currently in the league, he stopped to say hello to Frederick. And we, the rest is history. It was like a whirlwind. Went down to Baylor. Baylor Baylor is like, look, we can't give you a scholarship at this point because we've given all of those away. But if your mom and dad, my husband and I went down, if they'll support you for the first year as a walk-on, we'll give you an opportunity. Right. And so all I I used to tell Frederick this all the time, I said, you just got to have mustard seed faith. So if you got mustard seed faith, Amen. you can do this. And what I told the coaches at the time, I said, you know what? I'm never gonna say he's the most talented player because there's some talented guys on this team. But what I can guarantee is there's not a person in this gym that will ever outwork him. And of course, when I talked to Scott Drew and some of the coaches, they was like, Yeah, that's what every parent says. It yeah. so was like, but you were really right. Cause I, I went back, I said, I told you no one will ever outwork him. And um, he was six nine at the time with a Seven, six foot wingspan. Oh, wow. And, and uh, the coach at Baylor Scott always said, he said, you always want to give a guy like that at least another look, right? So, <laughs> so all of that, he went in as a walk-on, he was there, he had to sit out for a year. It was really a challenging time for him making that transition Yeah. Um, from a D3 program to a D1 program and particularly a um, power five school, like a high major kind of program. Yep. Yep. So yeah. He didn't just go D1, he went D1. (laughs) And so that was quite the transition, quite the transition for him. And he went in the gym and didn't come out until he was better. And so. absolutely. But what was
1: it like for you to see him play for Baylor, a division one team and one of the best teams in the country?
0: So, you know what? It was, it was awesome. It was awesome to me because as a mom, you want them to do what they've been called to do, what they've been purposed to do, what brings them joy. This was yeah. not ever my dream for Frederick. My dream is that do what you've been called to do, what's been planted in you. And so, um, so we were just really happy to see that happen for him. But I was really just overwhelmed with gratefulness simply because I knew how hard he worked. That's right. I knew if he could have gotten a mattress and slept in that gym at Baylor, yeah. he would have. And he did that all the time with being successful academically as well. So he got all kinds of academics, honors on top of that. And I knew how hard it was for him, but he believed that this is what he was supposed to do. He looked at the television one day, honestly, Wendy. He was at Bay, I mean, he was at um, Carlton, because I, I really wish he had gone to some other school. I love Carlton academically, but I knew that they would never meet this desire that he had for basketball. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he didn't listen to me, but I don't know it against him. So, but he was with a friend at Carlton, looking at a basketball game, and he was listening to the announcers describe these players like, oh, they're 6'9", or 6'8", and oh, they have this kind of wingspan, and they, they're this and that. And he's like, I have all of those things. That's right. And he said, he talked to his friend, he said, I'm supposed to be playing there, not those schools, but he said, that's yep. what I'm supposed to be playing. And so he just knew it, it, it clicked for him. And when he called him, he said, mom, I can't stay here. He said, I have wow. to, I can't stay here. And I said, okay. I said, I know you can't. And whatever we need to do to get you to where you're supposed to be. That's what we'll do.
1: And so he saw it, amen. So he He saw it, he felt it. He knew knew. that I don't understand why I'm here and other players are where I should be yet. I mean, you look at Baylor, I mean, their record at the time was 26 and four. They were said to be favored to possibly win the NCAA title before it was all canceled because of COVID.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's not where they were when Fred got there. So that happened during his tenure there. So when he got there, um, at some point, he told Scott Drew that they were going to win a championship. Okay. And so he could he could feel that, like, right? Um, and he believed that they had a championship team. And so the, the first year that he started to play, uh, I mean, they did really well that, for, you know, they did really well, right? And so... And then that pandemic hit. So he went from, you know, being a walk-on to then actually being eligible to play right. to not getting playing time and all of the stress that that brings, right? Mm-hmm. To the guy that started before him getting an injury. And then that injury is what opened the door to Fred to play and we, you know, so he ended up playing. It's like, but what are you going to do with that? You, you know, you, your is here, make the most yeah. of every opportunity. And so that's what he did. And, um you know started every game his senior year, and it, they were having a phenomenal ride. They were number um, one in the nation for five for five weeks, mm-hmm. which was probably like one of the longest they were the only team to have been number one for five weeks during that that year, which was I guess last year and um, the, it was believed that they were going to go and win that national title, and then March came, and everything to came to a screeching halt yeah. so and it was heartbreaking, it was heartbreaking. For well, so
1: I many Yeah, Yeah, I and mean, especially for him where he just works so hard and he finally gets, you know what I mean, on this stride and then all of a sudden, you know what I mean, it's just stops for him again.
0: Again, yep. It was, it was, it, it, it just was one of those things. I'm like, okay, even I, cause I was literally headed to the big 12 conference Uh, Their playoff, you know, it's not that far. So I was going to drive down and I get this call. He's like, mom, have you left yet? I'm like, yeah, just got in my car. I'm on my way down. He's like, stop, turn around, don't come. I was like, why? He's like, it's not happening. And he said, I think they're going to cancel everything. And so it was so devastating for that entire team. It was so heartbreaking for them. And then when there's a mom, you are like okay. I, I honestly was like, he's like, I'm gonna call you back. So when I hung up with him, I was in tears. I was in tears for him because he had worked so hard and sacrificed so much and moved literally across the country to pursue something that he believed he was he's destined to do and called to do. And he had worked worked like nobody else I had ever seen. He has an incredible work ethic. And then it didn't happen. Yeah, and there was, and it probably never was going to happen, because he was a senior, and he right. was not definitely, <laughs> he was not considering staying beyond that. So to see his his senior year kind of end that way, um, it was it was really challenging. And so he's like, yeah, I'm not coming back. And he had already, you know, he had yeah. earned his degree. He's like, I'm not coming back. And so to see that dream of winning that national championship just kind of slip away. And we knew it was never going to happen for him was really challenging.
1: Yeah. So what were his feelings now about entering the draft during such uncertain times?
0: So uh, being in a draft during a pandemic is, I I don't know how it is normally, but it was really quite a challenge. Because we didn't even know if if there would be basketball. Because at that point, the NCAA was really following the NBA. And so the NCAA was just like, uh, we're not doing these tournaments because the NBA has shut down some things. So we didn't even know if there would be a draft, would there be an NBA season? And, And if so, what would that look like? There were just so many questions and no answers. So really just trying to figure out, would there be a draft? And so the draft that normally happens, of course, didn't happen. It wasn't until August that they actually had a draft. And so that was quite a process. I think going through the draft, and I'm sure you know this because you've been Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the normal, in a normal time, I can only imagine. And then you throw a pandemic on top of it. So it was just uncertainty on top of uncertainty um, about what would happen. And so for him, I was like, you just gotta stay focused because whenever it happens, whatever it is, you just have to make sure you're ready. Yeah. so his goal was to just stay ready he was so he worked out for six months nonstop because he knew he believed it's going to happen at some point and when it does i want to make sure i'm ready for it so he went into the gym he went to miami he trained and he didn't miss a day of training he was never late for a day of training um until the draft actually happened he stayed in the gym improving his game and i applaud him once again because that incredible focus and work ethic you know, he knows I, I was the first person to ever fire for so, yeah. <laughs> it. Uh, because I have my own small, I know he probably hates that I'm going to tell this, but so I hired him and his sister and my niece one summer. I, cause I have my own business to, to, to just do some tasks for my for my business. And they, you know, they were, they didn't really do them. My niece did. So she got a paycheck. My two children decided it's mom. <laughs> we're oh, going nice. to slack. So oh, they nice. got a pink slip. <laughs> And so, uh, and so, but, you know, ever since then, he has had this, I mean, really incredible work ethic and this focus. And so that helped carry him through the pandemic that, you know, and it was very difficult. I won't say it wasn't because just that, again, that uncertainty of like, I don't know what my future holds. Right. And then add to it, the other devastation on personal levels, seeing people we know who passed away from COVID and those types of mm-hmm. things. So it was just, Oh, hold on, but he stayed in the gym and stayed focused.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of things going on um, in 2020. Yeah, and I can only imagine the confusion um, amongst everybody. Like, like you said, yeah. everything was uncertain and there was just no answers. No one was able to say, okay, this is going to happen in a month. He just had no idea if it was going to happen and if it ever would. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it. Um, but for basketball, were there plans in place for either outcome? Once, once you figured out, okay, there is a draft, Were there plans in place for either outcome, whether he got drafted or
0: undrafted? So I would love to say, yes, there were plans in place. But (laughs) truthfully, this is what we learned about the whole agent process. (laughs) Yeah. So that's been quite a learning. So I will just say this, um, the agent he had when he started the process is not the agent he has now. And we really did learn, even with me being involved as I am in in, in politics and being a a sports commissioner, I still don't think we were prepared for how to deal with some of these folks who are in this business. And so that was really the learning for us. And um, so I would say there wasn't a, a real clear plan and we found out various reasons why. And that was really hurtful for him as well, because to think that somebody would use your talent for their own gain. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's my work. Yeah. And so um, that was really kind of painful, but it was a great, I think, lesson to learn. It was a bought lesson and a, and a difficult lesson, but what he learned is that you may like someone, but you have to stay on top of the business part of it. You can't trust yeah. them with, with, with your business, with your, right? And he did, he's you know, 22 at the time or whatever. And it's a pandemic. And so there wasn't a clear plan because um, the agent, when he asked the agents, okay, now here's what. what's our next step. He didn't have an idea of what that would be. So needless to say that agent got rid of him. And then we went about devising what would be the next step because we didn't know what the G League would look like. Because right. last year the G League was not all the teams. We didn't know which teams would have or wouldn't have. It was again, such uncertainty. So that, that did happen. He ultimately went to the G League and was drafted second, I think, in the G League, which was great. That was a boost for him and had the opportunity to go play in the G League, which was good. And, um,
1: right. Well, well, before we get there, he was undrafted in the 2020 oh, yeah. NBA draft. So, yes. just to go back a bit, just so people understand, like, tell us about your draft process. Like, what happened draft night and what were your expectations?
0: So, um, what my expectations and his expectations may not have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, it so, it tell not me your expectation, something. probably not. So, so, tell us what you
1: expected and what you thought he
0: expected. So, what I ex- what I knew for sure is because I've been, you know, I'm a little older yeah. than he is, <laughs> and, so, and you, you know, we have the ability to see. But of course, they are young men making their way in this world. And so you have to allow them to be independent. So he thought, okay, mom, great. You and dad, you got me to this point. Now I have this agent. I can work it from here. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and I'm, and, but you, for me and the most difficult thing was to say, okay, I'm going to, okay, we'll let you do that. (laughs) And so I did. And as a result of it, he then got to see he maybe wasn't completely ready and that it's good to have other people, to have a tight team around you you can trust who they're not looking to get gain anything from, from you. So that being said, I could see that what was promised from an agent in terms of all the things he would do to get ready for the draft weren't being delivered on. So there was a presentation, multiple presentations, people like agents knocking down our door, we'll do this, we'll do that. And then I'm like, okay, we have a document in front of us and, and you did this presentation, all these things are gonna happen haven't seen those things happen. Some of them, but not all of them. Fred went from being on the draft boards, you know, second round to not being on the boards at all. Yeah. He just kind of like disappeared for six months. Now for him, he's like, I'm the only one who can get in the gym. No one else can get in the gym and get me better, but me. So I'm going to leave this other piece to this person. And that was a mistake. So I will say this he for me, I was like, Hmm, not feeling good about draft night. I'm, I don't think it's going to be what he thinks it's going to be, but you can't say that. So, um, so to needless to say, draft night came. I was like, they're not coming here because no one's called us. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no. I mean, like you know, there's just some of things. I'm like, there's not a TV crew outside our house. Yeah. There's not anybody here trying to tape us. That's a sure sign that mm, they're probably yeah. gonna call your name. <laughs> and so. But you can't I mean it's just, you know, it is what it is, but I feel you. His his agent didn't show up for it, even show up. <laughs> I I I know, right? Um, so there was a person who was working with us who showed up, but that's a whole other story. And I'm like, that's so you know we we turn on the television i really didn't want to watch i was like and i don't you know like okay we're gonna have to watch we're sitting in the living room you know you hear the names called and at the end of the night when it's done his name is not called he's devastated but i think at some point at the night he knew that this was probably going to happen and so it's devastating because then that's another dream that i'm like that there is no possibility that you'll ever have that moment again so he had a dream of he had worked hard for it of having hearing david stern call his name. And I think there's so many young kids, you know, the young who or young boys who are in this sport. You know, they have that idea that someday my name will be called, particularly if they, they get serious about it, like Fred did. And I'm sure, you know, like your son as well. That moment where, you know, it's like your name is called and you go to a certain team. And, and so that didn't happen for him. And that was just another moment. I'm like, that's never going to happen for him. And so you can't go back and you can't go back and get that moment because that that's done. And so that was really sad for me to see him feel that because he thought, I worked really hard, but you also made some decisions, not intentionally, and you trusted some people that maybe you shouldn't. And not to say that those people could have got him drafted, but certainly you shouldn't fall off the draft boards, right? And so he learned from it, but it would talk about a difficult, you know, a bought lesson and a difficult lesson. It was hard to watch him go through that. It was hard to see him think, you know, I did all of this work and- you know, was it all in vain? And particularly because now you have a team that didn't have a real plan.
1: Yeah. And so So how important would you say and um how important would you say is uh an agent? Like like you know what I mean? Like an agent is very important, but for you as a parent, how important do you think it is to have a good agent implemented in your on your team?
0: It is priceless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would just say it is so important. Um is I can't even find the words to express mm. how important I think it is, or that I know it is. And so having people who are trustworthy and then understanding this business, because you know what, uh, the way people are kind of connected and intertwined in this business was new to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was
0: like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. That's how that works. And so it is so extremely important. And one of the things we said, I always said to the agents is that what I expect is an agent that works as hard as he does that's it you have to work as hard as he does because if he's in the gym night and day then you gotta be out there making sure that you're you're doing your part and so i think they didn't understood understand what that meant (laughs) you know so um i I don't know i i i I try not to speak about that you know yeah i i because that's not it's not the i I try to figure out i'm like what can you learn from it right and it is painful Um, And there are a lot of folks out there who are predators and they look to exploit. And it's so really being exposed to Mm -hmm. that um, because that's not our point of view. That's not who we are. That's not how we think. But you have to understand everybody may not be coming from the best um, place. and, And so and really being as savvy as one can about that. So that was really, really challenging. So it's very important to get things in writing. I will say that for is for parents and so um and even sometimes when you do get those things they may not happen it's also very important to hold people accountable and i think for for Frit, that was challenging for him mm-hmm. because he thinks the best of people and he's like yeah you know i'm sure they're doing the best they can i'm like that you this is your career right. you can't really afford to have that attitude and having holding people accountable is something you have to do because the, every coach that you've ever had has held you accountable. Yeah. And as they should, and you have to be be able to do that same. So they have to make the transition to, this is professional, not amateur sports.
1: I don't think a lot of the boys understand that basketball, When when you're at this level, this is your livelihood. And mm-hmm. then you have an agent who has no experience. I mean, they have the opportunity to go and find 3000 more people where our players only have a certain window of opportunity to do what they got to do. So it's so important. And listening to you, it's like, I'm, I'm, it's just reminding me of so much things. And it's like, it's so important to make sure that us as parents, we do our due diligence and make sure that we have the right people uh, behind us, even if we don't know, like it's, it's important to audit your, your, your agents ask about him or her, you know what I mean? Call the mm-hmm. NBA mm-hmm. and say, listen, I'm thinking about this. Parents don't know they can call. I absolutely, you absolutely can. I didn't know that till like
0: three years later. <laughs> I, and so Wendy, I'm look, I'm so glad you said that because again, you know, I'm like, you're a very smart woman and all of those things. And there's still these things we don't know, because I didn't know that I'm like, Oh, Okay. And I read the handbook, the NBPA handbook. Yep. And yep. I read that and had that in, you know, in front of me and I'm like, it still didn't prevent these things from happening. So That's what right. I did just a couple of weeks ago, actually just two Sundays ago, is that I hosted a uh, conversation with parents who currently have kids in the, in the draft. A um, nice. mom who's a, the parent of two NBA players right now, a former NBA player and um, He's also uh, now works for uh, an NBA team and that basketball legend I talked about album so I hosted a conversation last two Sundays ago to talk about these things from those various perspectives with just with parents, because to me it's so important that parents understand these things like you said I didn't know that either which I didn't know yes. and, and so I'm like if there's anything that I can do because I'm all about look. This happened. What do we? How do we make it make it better for someone else? We got to pay it it. And yeah. so have that meeting. And now we'll be having additional meeting with parents just to share whatever I can share. So I may call you, Wendy, and say, Yeah, yeah. listen, do yeah, it. call
1: because,
0: me <laughs> because I feel like parents are not necessarily included in the process in some ways, yeah. and um, it's important we understand because our kids. They're focused on how can I be the best basketball player. I just want to get out there and play, and I want to be the best at it. And so, it takes a lot of time and focus to be in that gym because it's competitive, to say the least, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So, uh, you know, we we've learned. We, I mean, I've learned. He's learned. So it's been um, it's been challenging and rewarding in a lot of ways, and there's been some ups and downs. But we ultimately are so grateful and blessed.
1: You know, sometimes these people that we go to exclude us Mm. as parents because they figure, oh, you don't know anything. And then we find out later on, well, neither did they, right? So (laughs) I always say to parents, even though you're not the pro in basketball, Mm -hmm. you still, you make sure that that person or those people that you have are doing what needs to be done. And it's a learning curve for everybody. And what I've learned, a good agent would include the parents. Because a good agent is going to stand by your side and say, okay, this is what I'm doing, and this is why I'm doing it, and this is what we would like the outcome to be. They're not saying to you, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it, your son or daughter is going to get here. They're not saying that to you. You know what I mean? They're real, and they're saying, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to work it. This is from my experience and mm-hmm. this is what we're hoping the outcome will be. And if not, then this is a plan, right? And that, exactly. so I say note to self to all parents who are listening today, please, please, <laughs> please <laughs> make this sure. This is true
0: parents. Listen to, this is truth spoken right here. Listen to that. <laughs> that is key. I mean, it's a, it's the thing that can make the difference between someone getting in a draft or not. It's not about, right. I, I, I I just, I wish we had known each other before, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's what I'm trying to do with parents is is to, you know, just share whatever I do know. And I know I don't know a lot, but I know how to ask more questions and where to get answers that I didn't know before. But it's so true that we, everything that you just said, it can make the difference because it's not about an agent getting your child drafted so much, but it's about, you have a plan and we're we're in this together. It's a true partnership and you're being honest in your communication so that no one's just like shocked unless they're shocked, like, Oh, we went number, you know, Five instead of number 25. That's a great (laughs) shot. But but people should be pretty clear on, okay, this is the expectation. This is how we're gonna get there. If it doesn't turn out the way we want, here's our next step. Right.
1: So So, for Freddie, he later signed after going undrafted. He later signed with the Dallas Mavs on the training camp roster. But he was waived prior to the beginning of the season. Right. But then a few months later, he was selected uh, second overall um, pick by the Memphis Hustle um, in the NBA G League draft. So talk to us about that time period and how that brought him one step closer to his
0: NBA opportunity. So listen, I I... (laughs) think... That was a challenging time in his life, which made it a challenging time in our family's life, right? Because, yeah. it's, it's, you know, we are all in this. Ultimately, let me just say this. If he, if he didn't know before, he knows now that he really wants this. Because it really is like, are you going to stay in here and fight? Or are you going to call it quits? And the, you know, that's, that's their only option. And so and I let them, you know, you can feel your emotions for a moment. And I'm like, you can, because you, you get to feel that way. You get to be feel a little down and out. But at some point, I'm like, that's enough. Now, what's your next step? Either you going to get up and move. Are you going to move in this direction of the NBA or get a job? Which one? get a job somewhere else, because you you have to make a decision. Yes, it's unfair. No, it's not right what happened. That will be, we'll, we'll worry about that later, but stay focused on your ultimate goal. Yeah. And so Frederick, of course, you know, he was hurt, but the good thing about him, he is so resilient. So he got back up again. He's like, he couldn't give it up. And there was this, then that becomes the option of should I go overseas, right? And do overseas because I don't know about this. And so, and overseas is a great option, like choose which one. Yeah. And I said, ultimately, Fred, what I believe, and this is as a faith thing, back to that mustard seed faith, and I've known this for a minute, I said, I believe that you're supposed to be in the NBA. Now, how you get there, I don't get to, to determine that, I just have this faith, this thing, I believe it deep in my soul, not because this is a dream I had for you, because it was certainly not one I had, I thought you be doing computer science, actual science or something, but because it's just the thing that's been shown to me, I'm like, so if you go overseas, that's fine. Then you need to know I'm going to get back this way. But you got to make a decision. either You're going to continue to pursue it or you're going to let it go. But you can't have step. And of course, he got up and fought the good fight. You know, he stayed in the gym. He got ready for his opportunity, um, got different representation, all of those things. And so he kept pushing for it. He kept pushing for it. And it was difficult. The uncertainty of this business. And I'm sure you know this, mm-hmm. the uncertainty of this business <laughs> is unlike anything I've ever seen before and so for him he just kept every day you know you every day you just keep you just got to keep moving forward and so you know and ultimately when he got because he didn't know the G League again back to the pandemic we didn't know the G League was going to happen and yeah. so when he did get called up to the G League and he went second in the draft being at a team with the Memphis Hustle who they were really great to Frederick was wonderful because that, that really did feed back into him. Yes. And so it was just wonderful. And he did well in the G league because he, the, the hustle staff was so great when it came to him. So it was, it was wonderful.
1: So I look at our sons, we have Freddie and we have Kim and their <laughs> journeys have a lot of similarities where <laughs> they both went on drafted. They both signed with an NBA teams training camp roster where Freddie went with the Dallas Mavs. Cam went with the Miami Heat. They okay. both were waived prior yep. to the <laughs> prior to the season. They both signed with G League teams and they both dominated before finding um, roster spots in the NBA. Where Cam, the only difference with Cam is that he did actually go overseas. He went to Turkey, Greece, and then he went um to the Orlando right. Magic. But for you, when looking back at Freddie's journey to date, is there anything that you would go back and change if you could?
0: You know, there's a part of me that wants to say yes, and a part of me that wants to say yes. Yeah. No. So I'm going to say this: I would say I would change his first agent. I would I would change that if I could. I think, yeah. but not for the reasons. That people would think so that it would turn out different for Freddie, just because I just think those what people who I feel are not good people, and this is a, my opinion, not a right. fact that I'm stating. You know, I just don't think they should be in this this business, right? Right. So that's totally kind of different. Um, but in terms of his journey, honestly, Wendy, and I know you know this, it is hard, and like I said, there are these high points and low points. But I also feel like again, a person of faith that everything that he's experienced has prepared him for where he's going. Amen. Yes, It's not wasted. And so, um, I'm like, he, I think he'll have be able to withstand this league long-term because he's had all of this kind of this beginning stuff. So things, and I can even look at him now, things that used to phase him before don't necessarily phase him as much now. He's like, yep. You know, like it doesn't take him as long to get over it. And, um, he doesn't internalize things in the, that, that I'm like, you don't have control over. You can only control what you can control. And so he really has heard that before, but he gets, he gets it on a whole nother level. So I believe all the trials and tribulations have prepared him for this next level and for the joy that will be unspeakable in the future. I don't know, what about you?
1: I, I'm, I'm, yes, you see, I'm listening to you and I'm saying, yep, for okay. me, I wouldn't change anything. And, you know, at first, of course, you want to say as a mom, of course, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change everything. I just want him to be like, you know what I mean? in the NBA drafted, you know, between first and 10, you know what I mean? But really, that's not what happened. And I truly believe it didn't happen for a reason. And I believe that maybe he wasn't ready at the time. Maybe he wasn't mentally ready. And everything that my son had to go through just made him to the person he is now. And mm. really now he's a person of strength. He wasn't yeah. like that before, you know what mm. I mean? He was very quiet. He's still very humble, still very docile, but now the man he is now is totally different than the man he was, you know what I mean? Eight years ago. And it's phenomenal. Absolutely. So now you say he he can handle things differently. He gets it, you know what I mean? Like you say, you can only control what you control. Where right. eight years ago he'd be losing his mind. Now he's, <laughs> you know, what I mean, now he's like, it's okay. I-, I got this. It's all right. Now he thinks, okay, if this is going to happen to me today, what can I do to make it better later on? He wouldn't have been able to do that had he made, had had he been drafted years ago. He probably would have been very immature. Mm-hmm. So I'm blessed that he had that maturity process by playing, uh, by getting waived by the Miami heat, because you know, it just made him strong. Mm -hmm. Um, Then he went to the G league and he was sitting there saying, wait, I'm making this little bit of money doing what I love. And I know there's more potential. I know I got this. I know I can do better. Mm -hmm. Let me put myself in a different position. And he did, he went overseas and he was like, hold on a second. You know, I can do this. And then he went to right. me, Turkey. And then he went to Greece. And he was like, I can make money here doing what I actually like, which he didn't like at the beginning, like Fred, Cam only <laughs> started when he was 13 years old. So, and he played football too. So, oh, okay. You know what? I think I laugh. Uh, I was saying to Cam the other day, I said, yours and, and Freddie's um, stories are so similar. I said, I think y'all should sit next to each other on the next bus ride
0: to your next game. And he laughed. <laughs> They're so like kindred spirits, right? yeah, Except- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kim <laughs> seems very reserved, and I it, right. Fred is like, yeah. he's high energy, yeah. So, yeah, but well, that's funny. <laughs> it, it is funny, and so, but it's good. And he, you, I can see. And congratulations, because Kim had a phenomenal like year with the Raptors, and so Thank it you. was really great to watch. Um, yes. But, you know, and it's great because you know that that didn't, like having, you know, be, being that parent, I'm like, that didn't come from nowhere. Like, right. <laughs> that's has been in the making. So it's, and it gives me hope. Like, I know the story a little bit. And I'm for like, sure. And for Fred, it's like, okay. You know, he shows um, other, you know, young folks out there. This is possible. All things are possible. And so the path may be different, but the possibility is still uh, the same. So I love that. Um, yeah. And Fred wouldn't have been, I agree. I think this was the thing that helped him grow up and he now minds his business differently you know he knows i got to be in the gym and, and the, do the business part and even growing to carlton carlton was an awesome school but i didn't think it was going to meet that thing he had you know he wanted to yeah. play this basketball but at carlton he had met the most amazing guys who that when he went to there, they his friends now this this group of basketball players they're so awesome and so when he went to to baylor and it was hard there was one who would FaceTime him every Friday Really? To, to say, it's okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to make like, right. And there's another one who would do some things, you know, they would do these group messages just to make sure he was going to be okay. He would have never met those friends had he had never had that experience. And so, you know, it's, it's divinely ordered and we just have to trust, trust the master and not worry about the plan.
1: That's right. So- everybody, everybody that you meet in life, you can really learn something from whether it's good or yeah. bad right? Yeah. Um. So our boys became Raptors at the same time. Yeah. I mean, Freddie got his first NBA 10-day contract and debuted yes. with the team when they played against the Cavs. And the following day, Kem played his first game with the Raptors against the New York Knicks after being away from the Orlando Magic uh, a few days prior. So as a new Raptors mom, <laughs> did you get an opportunity to see your son play live?
0: I had an opportunity to go to the very last game of the season. So, um, because you know, I had to get my vaccination in the hotel yes. and we had to, you know, trying to it's two shot process and all of that. But I was like, I am determined that I will go to Tampa <laughs> and watch. A game. So I did I get a, a chance to see the last game of the season and I was so thrilled, so thrilled. It just is, it's so part of it though, also, too, it. and I don't want to say that it's not exciting, but I just felt like, oh, this is where we're supposed to be. It felt comfortable, it felt natural. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just like, okay, this feels, this is the right place. So it was affirming and confirming in that way, like he's in the right place. So it felt very natural. Um, so, but, but at the same time, you're overwhelmingly grateful, right? Oh, you're grateful. Yes. And you're grateful because I know Kim works really hard. You don't play like Kim does and not work hard and you don't stay in this business and not put not everything in. into it. Absolutely. And so when you see the fruits of their labor and you see their faith being fed in this way, their work paying off, it's just, it is an unspeakable joy and gratefulness that I you know, I'm yes. so overwhelmingly grateful overwhelmingly grateful. And then the Raptors, which, you know, when you think about a team, I'm going to say, I couldn't think of a team that was a better mantra friend. He got there, he was like, yes. I, I feel like they really do want me. They like me. It's such a great culture. He liked the people in the locker room. He was just elated with, you know, just the culture. And so in the and the coaching staff and to have him be in a place where he felt so good about playing for them and about the energy was awesome. And then I, I'm gonna tell you, Baylor fans are awesome. They're just awesome, right? But um, I was like, look, the Raptor fans and the Baylor fans, they, these are like really good people. <laughs> so I just, I'm serious. I was like, I was so, I was excited. I'm like, it's good in the locker room, outside the locker room, the fans are great. And and then you've invited me to do this. It just was a really good experience, being in a good place. You just wanted to be in a great place where, and Fred felt like, He could, his, what he, there was an opportunity to demonstrate what he could bring. Right. There was no predetermined, you got to sit over here in the corner kind of thing going on. And that is to have an opportunity because I'm telling Mm -hmm. always make the most of your opportunity, but if you're not given one, it's challenging, but at the Raptors organization, he was actually given that. so.
1: It's so funny you say that because it's the same thing with Kim. he said the same thing he said you know they make me feel special they make me feel mm. like family and yeah th- you know what i mean the same thing he said about the, the locker room you know you're there and all the guys are there together and he said he just absolutely loves being on that squad i mean don't get me wrong he loved being in the magic as well right, but it's right. just different it's just a totally yeah. different setting mm-hmm. now right so here you look at freddie who started as a division three player in college has played his way to a 2-year NBA contract. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the Raptors organization saw in him that made them decide to give him the opportunity to prove that he belongs on the big stage?
0: You know, I I, I hope they saw his his basketball skill because I think he hasn't even begun to show that. Yeah. Um I think because he came to this late. So and then when you know you go to a basketball ball program and you talk about at the collegiate level, the team needs you to do certain things. Doesn't yeah. mean you can't do other things, but they don't need you. They got particularly at Baylor. Um, as somebody said we have more guards than Buckingham Palace, right? <laughs> and so and so we didn't need shooters necessarily. And they were great guards because they, they're national champions. Right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so that's not what he needed to do. And so he did what was needed at his team. And so I think when they probably got him in. They saw that and all the things that he could do that don't necessarily show up in the stats. right? Um, you know, but they saw those things and they brought him there and then they gave him an opportunity to demonstrate that on the court and they continue to see the possibilities, right? The, that and the potential and then the skill that's already there and then what they could do with it. So, um, and I think the other thing, and I'm sure Kim brings this as well, is that, you know, I think they both bring character and good spirit and good energy into a locker room.
1: Yeah.
0: And I will say this to you, when Fred went to Baylor and they started to make some changes and some new people came in after his first year, he was like, this is a championship team. When Fred got to um, to the Raptors and he felt the energy in the locker room, he was like, you know yeah. what, this is a championship team. Yeah. Yeah, and so I hope they saw those things in him. And they saw somebody who's willing to work. You know, he's coachable and all of those things. And that's when I'm like, "You, you have to be all of those things. But I also think it's because, you know, he's, he, he's, not, he's not been at this a long time. <laughs> so there's really no ceiling, you know, yeah. in, in store for him at this point because- Only up. <laughs> it's only up because yeah, he's still kind of new to this. And so, you know, and that's exciting. Of course, of course, this is, is an exciting
1: time for him, yeah. you know, and, and, and for Kem as well, because now they're on a different squad and yes. this is their chance to do new things. Like Kem was known when he was playing with the magic to do all the important things, mm-hmm. um, on the court that didn't involve scoring. He's bringing that with him to the Raptors now. So he's doing all those important things plus scoring. Plus scoring. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to be the same thing for number 55, where he's just going to <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and I think about for Kim, I just can see, I could see him kind of, like you watch, just kind of, this ease, like the more he play, like, oh, I can be me, I can kind of do, you know, yeah. like there were no limits set on him, or no, you can only be this. And I'm not saying other teams did that, but I just I could, you could see him coming to that. And, and it's, to me, that's fun to watch. I mean, whether it's my son or someone else's, you know, it's fun to watch sure. because you can see that thing. And so I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And, you know, and then the team, they gave him a game ball, like forget to get the game, he, you know, he was oh, like me. Hey. <laughs> Just all of these things that that speak to the, I think the kind of organization that the Raptors have. And, you know, like you and I know, one of the things I can say that's is constant is change. <laughs> is yeah. We don't yeah. know what, right? But I can say this was a really great place for Fred to be- begin his real professional NBA career. So,
1: if anything, your son has is resilience, right?
0: Yes. <laughs> and yours as well, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Like I said, we got to talk to them both sitting next to each other on the bus or on the plane. <laughs> so, so with. Freddie being a new member of the Raptors squad and you as a new Mm -hmm. Raptors mom, what is something about you both that you want the Raptors fans to know?
0: Oh my gosh. That's such a, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) You know, I would say this is that, um, we're in terms of the Raptors that we're grateful. I will say that to the fans And to the team for opening their arms to him and to me because when I'm on social media, they are so loving. And so for that it's and so I don't think fans understand the impact they can have in that way. But I will just say that is that welcoming spirit that they have. It was, we're so grateful for it. So I mean, I could go down a lot of things, but just specifically regarding this experience and being a part of Rapture Nation and having them welcome us yes. has been so awesome. It's been okay. really awesome. So we're both grateful for that. Our whole family is grateful for that.
1: Yeah. No, I love that you said that. It, and my family as well, because they were very welcoming. Yeah. Very, very welcoming. You know what I mean? And especially with us being Canadian You know, they are like, Oh, welcome home guys. We're so happy (laughs) that you're back here. So so it was, it was just a blessing. You know what I mean? And I got to see them in action when I, when I was in Tampa, um, you know what I mean? Oh, so you saw a couple okay. of fans there too. Uh-huh. And I got to meet people. It's a little weird. I thought there were Tampa Raptors fans, but <laughs> I can't wait now to get back to Canada and see Toronto Raptors fans. But in the meantime, the social media um, messages that I get, it's just all in love. And I just can't wait to actually sit in the arena and the Scotiabank Arena and sit amongst them. And we all watch the game like one big Raptors family. So I cannot wait. And I cannot wait to do that with you too. Oh, so <laughs> thank
0: you. I'm looking forward to that. I'm so ready to go to Toronto. And and be with the fans and then be with you and all. So I'm looking forward to that. I you know, I don't know when it'll happen, but I, I'm I'm like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm like, that's
1: all right. We'll we'll that, get there. We will we'll definitely get there. get there. We'll organize all the moms and we're all gonna sit in one section and we're all just gonna <laughs> I'm counting on it. I'm like that's it. I'm counting on it, Wendy. That's it. So let's talk about you now. So Freddie talks about the strong values you instilled in your kids. And about the work you do within your community so when doing these interviews i feel it's important for people to get to know the players but also the moms so before we conclude please fill us in about your political platform and how you got 40 black women to run for <laughs> office in minnesota and your black woman rising movement
0: um So I have been involved in politics for, oh, my gosh, I'll date myself (laughs) for for quite some time. Let's just say that. So I have led my party unit before Um, I've run for Congress, of course, and done some other things. And but I've always constantly been pushing for policies that will positively impact community. And one of the things I know that if we're not at the table, as they say, we're on the menu. And so we have to have those diverse voices at the table where policy is being determined and made. And so um, everyone knows that um, in 2020, the murder of George Floyd happened here in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. And at the time, I was leading the census effort there for the entire city of Minneapolis. And so... um, I've been working with women for quite some time because they wanted to run for office. They they say we don't, but we do. We just don't necessarily have a support system. And again, I'm the kind of person I'm like, oh, there's a problem, let's find a solution. Let's We can yeah. change this. And so I believe in our collective in power as well as our individual, but our collective power. And so I've really been doing that for the last few years uh, when I helped found uh, Black Women Rising. And if you ever saw the, the, the tape of this, this murder of Mr. Floyd, You'll hear him calling out to his mother. Yep. And so, as moms, we understand that on so many levels. Even when you talk mm-hmm. about uh, when our sons are brokenhearted, we can feel that, right? We can feel yes. that. And so, um, to hear him say, "Call out to his mother," that was a that was a call to all of us. And so, we figured if you're not going to be accountable, then we're going to sit in those seats ourselves and make the policies that will prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I know some pretty powerful and um, determined women here in Minnesota and I just started working that network and um, we start, you know, submitting a, the documentation to Ron. And so we had, um, there were a few women who were already in looking at running, and then the others just decided, yes, we're doing this. And we were serious about it, but it sends a strong message that we mean business. Yeah. There must be change. And so we're going to get it one way or the other. And so, you know, this was one of those ways to send a very strong message that business as usual is no longer acceptable. And so he called for his mother and we are answering that call. And that's what we did.
1: Wow. That is so powerful because you're being a voice for those who don't have one.
0: Right. We're doing our best.
1: Yes. Yes. And really, I just support you to keep, keep this up. I actually was speaking... Um, which we'll talk offline I was just speaking to um, a civil rights lawyer about you um, earlier I told him I read about you and I sent him an article about you so we'll talk about that a little bit later because I was like this is fantastic and you know as black women we need more of this to push ourselves in the future and I just love the fact that Freddie he spoke about that because I knew about it through him. Okay. I knew about it through an interview that he had, and he mentioned mm-hmm. it. And I was like, oh, hold on a second. Let me go look this up.
0: <laughs> so, I'm, and I, I'm the, st- You know
1: what? And that's beautiful because it just shows that you instill this value in him that he actually appreciates. Because sometimes our kids, they just listen, but they don't really say anything. Right. And when they do, they don't say it to us. They say yeah. it elsewhere. So here your boy is talking about that and he, and, and he is saying, look, my mom does this and this is a great thing. You know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm particularly happy that I learned about you through your son indirectly. So <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for that. Absolutely. So before we get to some fun facts, okay, tell us, what is it like being the courtside mom to Freddie Gillespie?
0: Ah, it is an honor. Oh. It is an honor. And uh, some days it's a challenge <laughs> 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 if I'm going to be truthful about it. But it is, it is, it is such an honor because it's what you say. And I can look at Kim and listen to you. And you know, we put all of this energy into them. And at the end of the day, we really want to have good human beings, raise good human beings. And I know that Frederick, first and foremost, he's a good person. And then you yes. want to have folks who can, who can pursue their dreams and be resilient and all of these things. But it is such an honor because I've been able to walk side by side with him, see all of this energy and that he's put into an effort to pursuing his dream. And then seeing that happen is like, I can't think of anything better because I mean, and I just get overwhelmed. The joy I have it's seeing him accomplish what he set out to accomplish, and knowing right. all that he sacrificed to do that, the joy is overwhelming. So I'm so it's, it's grateful sitting courtside and watching this individual, this boy, that this man, this man child that I love,
1: yeah,
0: accomplish his dreams. So
1: oh, you're an awesome, awesome person. I just
0: you're so oh. kind. Thank
1: you. <laughs> so let us. Now talk about some fun facts. Okay. (laughs) So what is that go to dish that you make that he absolutely loves?
0: Um, I would say chili. Ah, I love
1: chili. Yep, chili. I love chili. You're the first chili answer. Love it. Emma, (laughs) okay. He likes chili, so yeah i i pay attention to the to the answers i get because that that makes me determine which cities i'm gonna visit okay. <laughs> <laughs> who i'm going to go visit and stop by for supper yeah
0: okay so. yeah and i will make you some chili for sure because <laughs> yes. i'm i'm a southerner originally i'm from mississippi so yes um so it's a, yeah but he likes the chili he likes the chili and what is it for Kim? i'm just interested
1: he said fried chicken when I, I actually okay. had to ask him this because I used to like cook galore and he used to eat everything. But then when he got older, he got picky. So I used to laugh and say, well, wait, are you, did you just eat it? Cause you had no choice. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: okay, I'm glad I was that's like, not what? just me. I, I, yeah. I think that's, I thought that was just me. Cause now Fred comes mm. home and he's like, yeah. Uh, I'm like, you don't seem in those about it now. Oh, yeah. well, you know, I think cause he's not on a healthier diet someday. Yeah. Like, I don't yes. know, but Yes. So yeah, chili, he still likes no matter what.
1: Yeah. No, Kim likes chili. And yeah, and he likes fried chicken. So okay. <laughs> um, other than a basketball, what was one item as a child he could not live without?
0: Hmm. I don't, there's not an item. I will say <laughs> the thing that he could not live without being outside. Awesome. So he had to, even, you know, we're in Minnesota where it gets really, really cold. And during some times of the winter break, he was just like, oh, mom, can I just go outside and run around the house? Like we got snow up to here and he, but he just had, to, and I'm like, Fred, okay, just put on your snow. So you go ahead. I know the neighbors thought we were maybe abusing him, but we weren't <laughs> like, making him run. And he'd go outside and run at the house. If I wanted to punish, if we wanted to punish Fred, we would like, you can't go outside. You didn't That's do this funny. outside. He can't live with, that. he couldn't, when he was grown up, he couldn't live without being outside and, and moving in some way.
1: That's beautiful. Listen, I'm Canadian, so you know it was cold for us too. So <laughs> right, but Kim wasn't so much an outside person now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't like really play individual. video games, huh? Oh my
0: God, really? <laughs>
1: Kim was the opposite—nothing but video games. But <laughs>
0: he, he played a few, but I mean, it was—it ra- wasn't like a common thing for him. So really, eh? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Did you have a childhood nickname for him, and if you did, what was it?
0: So um his really his nickname I call him Maurice sometimes and mm-hmm. um we the family called him Reese Pooh but Aww. yeah I know <laughs> so it was like Reese Pooh because yeah so it's Frederick Maurice is his name. He's you know his 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 dad, my husband and him have the same name, Frederick Maurice. So I would call him Maurice or Reese Pooh. So Reese is what everybody calls him now, Reese. Love it. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Now want to ask some tips or advice for other listeners. (laughs) Okay. What advice would you give a mom who has to deal with a coaching decision that she does not agree with?
0: Mm, It depends on what the decision is. So I've, I've had a number of those. (laughs) And are we talking, are we saying at the professional level?
1: Yes. Or today, right now, you and I are sitting at a game and I'm losing my mind. Because I don't like a decision that, um, I shouldn't say this because it would never happen, but I don't like a decision that a coach made.
0: What would you say to me? So, you know what? I think I would, in terms of how we handle those things, much like if my daughter who has a different job, when her supervisor makes a decision that I disagree with, I'm not going to go into his office. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to tweet about it. I'm not, that's not what right. Because I wouldn't do that because that's her job. Right. Right. So I think if we look at it as this this is their profession, and so we mm-hmm. have to treat it as such, like it's a professional workplace, even though it's, it's a different space. Now, I may have a conversation with my son about it, but I will try and always have a productive conversation. Right. So because, you know, right, something that's going to help him, but not create any animosity between him and his, his coach or any of those things, but really have a productive conversation because sometimes it's like, yeah, I agree. That wasn't the right thing to do. I agree with you. I yeah. feel the same way. Now, what can you really do about that? What's the right approach? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But you smart. know what? And then, and honestly, when, and depending on how close we get, I'm like, call a trusted friend, vent that out with your friend, not with your, with your professional. I'd be like, Wendy, oh my gosh, you know, right. A <laughs> exactly. safe space. And then so that you can so get nice. it out. But be really careful cause you know, we have influence on our, 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 children. So.
1: Well, absolutely. And plus you don't want to be known as that mom who yep. <laughs> went to the game and just went nuts.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me neither. Not a good look. Um, okay. So what advice would you give to a player about how to deal with a tough teammate?
0: So depending on what that particular action is, I'm always about the direct. Yeah,
1: both. I like that.
0: Yeah, I was like, if you have an issue with a teammate, you want to go to them and discuss that issue, but don't go in an accusatory manner. Create an environment that's yeah. not confrontational, but... That will allow you to get to what the heart is and don't talk about who they are and what they did talk about how you feel about that those eyes like okay when this happened this is how I felt about that and this you know maybe I'm wrong but I want to hear your perspective, because this made me feel this way or you did this or you know what here's my expectation is that real you know just have a dialogue versus coming with you and make sure that they don't have angry energy when they come you know when they discuss it vent that to your mom, your dad, or whatever, like your, your safe space, like, because Frey can tell me lots of things, and I'm just a place where he leaves a lot of that, right? Right. And I'm right. sure that happens with you and Kim, where Kim can process some things with you, and once they do that then they can go and have a civil conversation with someone else right it. but they do need a place and a space to process it and that's what i am i feel like a safe space, a so safe I space. Ins- you're, yeah. yeah you're the same thing for kim you're a safe space for him to, to yeah. leave that and they need a safe space Perfect. absolutely but, yeah so and i said once you do that then you do need to have a direct approach don't because you're going don't let it see don't let it sit have a, 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 a conversation at the appropriate time and don't have any expectations about how they're going to respond because you can't control that. Right. All you can do is say, I had the conversation. I got to feel good about what I did. Right, right.
1: If you could only give one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would it be?
0: Enjoy the journey. Love it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No matter what happens in our journey, the ups and the downs, and Everything you are absolutely right, yeah. just enjoy the journey. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I this <laughs> I love it, I love it. My fellow Raptors mom, you are yeah. fantastic, Alberta. I really thank you so much for coming on Courtside Moms and sharing so much about Freddie and yourself. Um, this is the time for people to get to know moms and. And how we raised our boys and and who we are as people as well. Yeah. Yes, we raised these 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 children, you know what I mean? And now they're men and they're pros, but our platform matters as well. Yeah. And this is what Courtside Moms is all about. So God bless you for for sharing this.
0: And and let me just say this. Thank you for the invitation, but also thank you for creating this platform, for using this opportunity to share. this this story, and to show a a holistic player, like the whole, not just the part, people get to see more of the whole. So I thank you for that because I think it's very important for people to get to see, you know, kind of where these young men come from. And and so I appreciate the opportunity to share about myself and about Frederick. And thank you again for using your platform in this way. Oh, thank you. It's very generous of you.
1: Oh, thank you for appreciating it. And (laughs) Thank you for coming on Courtside Moms.
0: Thank you. Woman, it's all in me. done baby. I made you all mine. It's all in me. Eh, you want done baby. I do it naturally. One, one, one.